Hello and welcome to the Thriving Abroad podcast, the weekly podcast where I discover through fascinating conversations with people living an international lifestyle and relocation experts what it really takes to thrive abroad. I'm your host, Louise Wiles, an expat, repat, author, and a change and transition coach and consultant, and I'm fascinated by the world of international mobility and cross-cultural living. And a really warm welcome to episode 85. I'm so happy that you're here joining me today. Now, before I get into to today's conversation, a quick reminder for you to go to the Thriving Abroad website and register for the newsletter. Because when you register for the newsletter, you will get access to the handy show notes, which I publish each week and are connected to each week's podcast, providing a summary of the key messages from that podcast and great questions to help you apply the content to your expat life. All for free, so don't miss out. Now today I'm talking to Amy Scott from Nomadtopia. And we're talking about building a global life on your own terms. While travelling for many has come to a full stop as a result of the pandemic, for others the growth of remote working has encouraged them to ask these questions. If I could do this work from anywhere in the world, would that appeal to me? Where would I go? And how would I make it happen? Now my conversation with Amy, today will help you to think through your new or next relocation relocation decision. Amy left her life in San Francisco to take an around-the-world trip and never returned. Well, never returned to live full-time, that is. And she's now lived around the world for 16 years while running multiple businesses, and she is passionate about helping entrepreneurs, freelancers and remote workers harness the power of location independence to create freedom in their life and work. It's a great conversation and I really hope you find value in Amy's wisdom. Hello and welcome to the Thriving Broad Conversation, Amy. It's lovely to have you joining me today. Thanks for having me. Well, it's, it's really great. I'm really looking forward to having this conversation about location-independent lifestyles. Um, but before we get into sort of talking specifically about that for the audience, I think it'd be really lovely to start with a bit of an introduction to you and your life in terms of how it has been location independent um, and where where you've lived. Sure. So I've been location independent since 2004, which is when I quit my job in San Francisco to take a around the world trip and basically never went home. (laughs) And I have... I had already, I had on my radar this possibility that people could work from anywhere. When I worked in publishing, uh, I worked with copy editors, you know, freelance copy editors. We had one living in Costa Rica and then other ones living all over the U.S. So I was definitely familiar with that concept, even though it wasn't on a lot of people's radars back then, right? And so when my trip was over, I was very clear that I wanted to set myself up to have that same flexibility. And I decided not, you know, I didn't want to go back to an office. And so started working also myself as a freelance copy editor. And really that's enabled 
everything I've done in the, you know, 15, 16 years since I ended up moving to Argentina in 2007, met my husband there, ended up living there for five years. And um, then we traveled full time for a while. And in, I think, 2014, we came to Mexico for the first time and started spending more and more time here, longer and longer stays. And uh, we've been living here pretty much full time since... I always lose track. I think 2017. So it's been three right. or four years already. Okay. Okay. I love to say the way you say pretty much full time, I guess. <laughs> Is there always that kind of thought in your mind that you might just go somewhere else? <laughs> yeah. Well, and also it's funny sometimes to, to quantify it. And because, you know, like I said, we first came here in 2014. I think the first time we came for maybe a month, and then we left because um, we had other plans and then you know, left for a few months. I forget exactly. Came back for four months, left for six months, came back for six months, left for two months, came back for a year. You know, like wow. it was just, you know, different. And actually our transition out of Argentina kind of went the same way. We mm-hmm. originally left um, after we got married in 2012. We went to the U.S. for six months. Um, kind of a, you know, road trip, introduce my husband to everybody, you know, get to know the U.S., honeymoon kind of thing. And uh, we were working, and that's the thing, we've been working for ourselves through this entire thing. And that's really what's Mm -hmm. made it all possible. Um, And then again, we started spending less and less time in Argentina and more and more time other places to the point that I now have not been back to Argentina since 2015. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, do you have elsewhere. in your mind? So, I'm just really interested. We'll get on to talk about other questions in a minute, but I'm just really interested in your mind. Do you have a sense of where, where home is, or is that just a mobile thing and it depends on where you as a couple are? Yeah, uh, such a funny question, especially right this minute, because um, in my online community, the Nomatopia Collective, that's been our theme for the last two months is home. And like, yeah, what does it mean to people like us? And it's, you know, the answers vary. And, um, and also, there's a lot more questions than answers, I think. And for myself as well, I you know, part of me feels like the U.S. is home just because my family's there and it's where I grew up, but not even a specific place in the U.S. because, you know, my family's all over. I haven't lived Mm -hmm. there since 2007. So, um, and then Argentina felt like home for a long time, but as I said, I haven't been back in five years. So yeah, I think at the end of the day, home is where I am right now and where, you know, my husband and my kids are. And, um, which in a sense is yet another way that that gives us freedom and flexibility because, you know, as long as we're together, we can be anywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's people rather than place for you. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine everyone has different kind of responses to that. Perhaps. Yeah. 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 In combinations. Okay. So you mentioned your business, your business, Nomadtopia, which is, well, you just explained very briefly what, what it is so that everyone has a picture of that. Yeah. So I'm still doing the editing work, which I mentioned earlier. That's kind of a separate venture. And then about 10 years ago, actually, I started Nomadtopia to support other people who I was finding that were interested in what I was doing Mm -hmm. and, you know, wanted to do something similar and didn't know how. And 
So in a lot of different ways and through different offerings and programs and services, that's what I've been doing for the last, um, yeah, 10 years. So I have a podcast and um, a program to help people build their nomadtopia. So people who are really in those beginning stages of figuring out all the logistical pieces. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, as I mentioned, the collective is our online community where we've got a mix of aspiring and beginner and experienced Uh, nomads and travelers and expats who are all, you know, living their nomadotopia, creating their nomadotopia, and also finding that, you know, it's constantly evolving. And so there's always new things to talk about, new things to get support around (laughs) and figure out. And so um, it's been really great for people to have that space. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. So so going back then to the the beginning of how you described that and, and supporting people, who are, are thinking about moving to create a location-independent lifestyle. What do you find are, are the key factors, motivations, um, things that are sort of pulling them to that life? What attracts them to that life? Yeah, you know, there's a real mix. I mean, I think there's definitely some common themes. Um, and, you know, everyone's situation is a little bit different. I think that having more freedom and flexibility is a really big part of it. That's probably kind of the baseline for everybody, but then what they want to do with that and what what exactly their life looks like, you know, some people, I mean, I'm, you know, I just spent three years living in Mexico, Mexico city in the same apartment. Like I'm not very nomadic in that (laughs) sense, but being able to live in Mexico city was completely made possible, you know, by the other things that I've set up. So some people want that kind of stability, but maybe somewhere new. Um, Other people, you know, just want to be on the road full time. I think for a lot of people, especially because I often work with people who are a bit older, you know, I'm in my mid forties. I didn't start out on this, um, on this road until I was almost 30. And so I think there's a sense of like having bought into all the traditional trappings And then at some point along the way going, wait a second, maybe there's another way, (laughs) you know, maybe I could be doing things differently. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that is a a kind of a spark for a lot of people. Um, And then you also have people who started a business or started freelancing, whatever, for completely different reasons, you know, maybe just to be able to stay home with their kids or whatever. They wanted flexibility in a different sense and then realized, oh, wait. I could do this from anywhere. I don't have to live in the same place I've been living for the last however long. And so it just opens up lots of possibilities to think, um, what else do I want out of my life? You know, uh, one thing we've been talking about recently, like, are people just doing this to get better weather? You know, maybe some people, you know, they just want to get out of winter. Um, and some people, they want to immerse their children in a more, you know, global experience. Like there's, there's so many different things mm-hmm. that people are bringing to the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can relate to the weather thing, sitting in the yeah. UK on a grey, wet, rainy day. Well, yesterday was beautiful. So, yeah, I vary yeah. in that respect. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's interesting how I, I remember doing an expat show in London quite five years ago. And I was just shocked by the number of people when I said to them, so what is it that attracts you to moving abroad? <laughs> weather. I think pretty much everyone said weather as their first reason. The British, obviously, that would be probably one reason why. But I was really surprised. It was such 
such an issue because having lived in Portugal and so experienced life with lovely weather a lot of the time, um, although it is a pull, it's not so much of a pull to me because I realise there are a whole load of other factors that are probably as equal or more important. Um, But it's interesting that we all immediately um, default to that one answer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Well, and it's also something that as people are exploring different locations and possible destinations and places to live it it can't it absolutely factors in in fact having spent I think we spent about nine months in southeast Asia before we came to Mexico and the it was so hot we were there at like the hottest time of year it was so hot and so humid and I thought I don't think I like this weather anymore (laughs) you know like I grew up in New Jersey and went to school in Washington DC which is also very super hot and humid summers yeah yeah. I just thought no I think I'm done I think I'm done with the humidity (laughs) and so now we live in central Mexico which is very dry (laughs) (laughs) okay so it does play a factor and uh, yeah and I suppose for me having lived in Portugal where they didn't have so much the seasons yeah I really missed so I'm I'm sitting here complaining about the seasons and the rain but I actually really missed the seasons so I imagine you know the pandemic I've I've noticed you know in, in the press and you know a lot more conversation about location independent lifestyles I suppose as we can all be a bit more flexible about where we work um perhaps not able completely to leave the country in some jobs but there have been quite a lot of reports in the British press of people just taking off for the year and going to the to Barbados and Costa Rica and taking advantage of the opportunity to be in a different location for one year so have you seen that have you seen that um yeah absolutely around you Yeah, definitely in the press. um, I'm seeing that too, um, you know, like in the American press. And I, it's interesting because I would venture to say most of the people I know um, in who are doing this or thinking about it or whatever, already were location independent, not most, Mm -hmm. many. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that hasn't necessarily changed things for them. Mm -hmm. But I have found, you know, a number of people who've been following Nomadtopia for a while and had that piece as like Mm -hmm. the stopping point. Like, "Ah, I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to make money on the road or, you know, haven't Mm -hmm. quit my job yet or whatever the thing is. And I've talked with a number of them that because their job situation has changed dramatically in the past year, Mm -hmm. either, you know, they got laid off or they went fully remote or whatever the case may be, it's now opened up a lot of possibilities. Mm -hmm. Um, I think especially for people who already had this on their radar, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like, you know, the floodgates open like fantastic. Now I can hit the road. I can't wait. This is, you know, this is the piece that I hadn't figured out yet. Yeah. Yeah. So I've definitely been seeing that in my community and, um, and yeah, and then other people who hadn't ever really entertained the idea because they just didn't think it was mm. a, a possibility for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those who are, you know, beginning to think about it, I, mean, I know, I know, and you kind of meant sort of link, link to that this as well. But yeah, people, I think I read years ago in one of the UK papers that seventy-five percent of the British population say they would like to live abroad at some point in their life. Now, obviously, a very small percentage actually ever do. So um, a lot of people spend their lives thinking it's something they want to do, but actually not doing it. So what would your advice be about two people? You know, if they're sitting there, 
sitting here thinking about it, sitting a bit on the fence. You know, what can they do to kind of kickstart themselves into action or at least to sort of making some positive moves and yeah, really well, considering it? That's a great question. I think one, just immersing yourself as much as you can in in connecting and hearing stories from other people who are doing it because mm-hmm. it shows you that it's possible. And yeah. it also highlights all the different ways that you can do it. You know, a lot of times I feel like in, you know, like in the press, for example, um, or like on Instagram, there's lots of, you know, hashtag van life, like fancy things, but mm-hmm. you know, that's just one way to do it. It doesn't mean that you have to sell everything and live in a van if you don't want to. <laughs> so, um, and in fact, that's, that's what I um, have done on my podcast is really highlight all those different ways to do it with the hopes that it sparks people to think, oh, that's an interesting piece. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, maybe you can kind of pick and choose from, from different people's ideas and experiences and, and create what works for mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Um, so one, just kind of that inspiration and idea generation, I think is super helpful. And then the other thing is to start to just really narrow down some specifics um, you know, I think maybe part of the reason people say like, oh, I'd love to live abroad, but never go any further is because they don't ever get really specific. Like, well, but where would you like to go? Mm-hmm. Why do you want to go as we were talking about, right? Like, what's the motivation? What kind of experiences do you want to have? Do you speak another language? Would you like to, you know, all of those things can start to build on really fleshing out that dream and that vision. So then you have something specific to actually start it. One, it gets you more excited, I think, and more like, well, this, this is actually possible. Mm-hmm. And then you have, it kind of kickstarts those marching orders of like, okay, now I know what I need to do. If I want to move to Portugal, for example, I need to research visas. I need to learn about the different parts of the country. Maybe I should go visit, you know, then it, it becomes much more clear what to actually do to make yeah. it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And what about, I mean, you say visit the country, kind of test, test it out. Cause I, I do sometimes think, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about something like this, you can have a bit of a utopian view of what life will be, you know, and suddenly yeah. problems get left behind and they'll never happen again. And it will be sunsets and um, you know, all the wonderful things in life and never any problems. So right. yeah. Would you recommend that people go and test it first perhaps try six months in a location and 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 go with an open mind and see yeah yeah I mean I think partly because um and I agree you know you mentioned a bit of a longer time frame that's really key right like if you go somewhere for two weeks Mm. like it it comes a holiday yeah yeah. exactly (laughs) it's like you're on vacation and it's not you're not really getting a feel for what life is like there like can Mm. you find Mm. you know the types of food that you want to eat and can you find the activities that you want to participate in and you know all of those things that are more part of like real life um that you don't know and really start to dig out until you spend more time there so yeah i think a a longer stint is absolutely a good idea especially for if for you know sussing out a certain location Um, the other thing is that especially for people who are planning to work as they travel or while they're living abroad i In fact, I have a whole course about this, about creating a test drive specifically Mm -hmm. for the business part of it, because, you know, a lot of people like, well, I'm sitting at home with my laptop. I could do this from anywhere, but there Mm -hmm. are pieces, you know, that if you haven't thought everything through, you might find like, 
oh, wait, I always write in that one notebook and I've got all these, you know, things I want to refer back to. And I didn't bring that notebook with me. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I need to go paperless or maybe I need to travel with that notebook, you know, and then have I figured out all of the logistics around time zones and scheduling and, you know, just staying on top of everything, especially for people who were moving around more often and not just, you know, moving Mm -hmm. to a specific location. That is a major factor. And I can speak from my own experience. The more you move around, (laughs) the harder it is to stay on top of things. And the more important it is to really just have, you know, clear systems and routines and structures in place um, and tools set up. So yeah, so you're not, you know, dropping the ball on important work and all of that. Mm. That's something I can totally relate to. And I think, I think that's perhaps something that people don't realize because if you haven't moved, you don't know what's involved in that. And, and, how much of a distraction, okay, it's probably a positive distraction, but a distraction that can be from your daily routines and sure. if you're having to make an income, um, you need to be really sure that you're going to have the space and, and the, yeah, the ability Absolutely. to have the routine to carry everything through. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned some of the people that you've interviewed for your podcast and some of the stories. I'm just wondering if you could share a few of the kind of most interesting um, location independent stories you've come mm-hmm. across or perhaps yeah, most interesting and, and sort of educational from a, the perspective of someone who's listening and thinking, is this for me? Yeah. You know, two stories that I think of a lot um, just because they kind of buck the status quo of what people assume this looks like mm-hmm. um, were actually, it's funny. I think in the expat world, they would be called trailing spouses Um, you know, people who realized that as a couple, they would both have a lot more flexibility and a lot more fulfillment in their work. If the one whose job wasn't tied to the reason they were traveling was able Mm -hmm. to try to work from anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them was particularly unique because her husband was uh, a semi-professional baseball player in the U S and so he was traveling for games and for training and, you know, all of these things during the season. And she was like at home, you know, just, I I forget if she was working for herself at that point or if she had a regular job, but whatever the case was, they ended up just being apart a lot of the time. And she realized, well, wait a second, if I can work from anywhere, I can go with him and, you know, we can extend the travels and we can, you know, spend more time together. And so that one in particular and the other one, the um, the husband became a coach working online um, and his wife was a scientist who would get these really interesting opportunities to work in other countries. Mm-hmm. And he could go, great, let's go. I'm, you know, I'll pick up my laptop and come with you. So yeah. that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's kind of a crossover between like the nomad part and the expat part is like, mm-hmm. you know, for that person who has the more flexible job to be able to just take it with them instead mm-hmm. of having to find a new job or start a new career every time they yeah. move. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. those are really cool. And then I think some of the other ones that for me, I found particularly inspiring um, because I didn't have kids when I was doing these interviews, but I knew I was, it was on my radar. Uh. (laughs) And um, so a lot of the families that I've interviewed have been really inspiring. And a few in particular that 
you know, some would go in like an Australian family that moved to Costa Rica and they were living full-time in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one approach. But then I also have interviewed a number of families that are pretty much traveling full-time. You know, they might spend three months in one place or um, I interviewed one family that they had after spending a lot of time traveling had kind of identified a few parts of the world that they really enjoyed and yeah. essentially ended up with a home base in Mexico and one in Bali. And mm-hmm. they spent part of the year in each of those places and then part of the year traveling. Um, and so, you know, especially I think for people with kids, you know, if you're really steeped in the traditional way people are raising kids at home you know, everyone is going to tell you like, oh, you can't do that. And kids need routine and, you know, all of these things, but to hear from people who are actually doing it and their kids are thriving and loving Mm -hmm. it and, you know, seeing all the different ways that it's possible for families as well, I think is really inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. And perhaps this period of lockdown and, you know, home education may have opened a few people's eyes to the possibilities for, yeah, for that kind of mobility. Um, yeah, I, I always think from, from knowing what it takes to move, I always think and I hold them in, in high esteem for their ability to move regularly every three months with a family. And I mean, that just from an administrative perspective, that must be yeah. um, quite a challenge. But well, yeah. although in some ways, I think it's easier. I mean, having spent years living out of a suitcase and now having just moved from one city in Mexico to another with like a moving truck full of stuff, <laughs> I can say that, you know, even with kids, <laughs> I think, you know, having minimal possessions and literally just putting all your stuff in a few bags and hitting, you know, heading to the airport, that sounds way easier than what we just went through. Um, you know, with a more typical, yeah, move. With, with typical yeah. move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And what an amazing life uh, met lesson in life as well to learn that you can actually live with so little um, yeah. and probably gain so much as well. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I'm getting more enthusiastic by the minute, actually, <laughs> for this concept and this idea. Um, I need to speak to my husband about this. No. Um, <laughs> but actually, that is another point. I mean, we're sort of kids about to leave home in a few years' time. And so, yeah, I guess probably you come across people who are perhaps taking second or third careers and or something that supplements retirement income and so on. Do you come across that kind of combination? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I have um, actually, there are a few people in the collective who have either retired early or Mm -hmm. took a sabbatical. Um, One woman had, uh, she was working, you know, in a private practice as a therapist in the States and shut down her practice and um, her husband quit his job. And they, I think they've given themselves about two years to just kind of enjoy and see what's next. And, and, you know, and now they're in year two and kind of looking at like, okay, so, you know, what might we want to do? And so um, they've been living in Mexico, but you know, also I think have their eye on like, okay, well, where else could we go? And do we want to travel mm. more? Do we want to have a base? Um, yeah. yeah. And yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice to have that flexibility to, well, obviously if you have the flexibility to just take some time off and figure out what you want next, that's always lovely. <laughs> um, obviously not everyone can do that. Yeah. Um, 
but also, yeah, if, you know, for people who've been in a situation where they've been able to, to set things up so they can retire early, that also gives them a lot of flexibility. Um, there's, I mean, yeah, the, the possibilities are endless, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. so many different, um, configurations that, you know, people have put together. Um, and also, as I think I mentioned, you know, it's, it's constantly changing, right? Like what someone sets up to make it possible at the outset might only be for, you know, could be six months, could be two years, who knows. And then they realize, ah, I think I want to do this a little differently. I want to move more, or I want to move less, or I want to go to a different location or, you know, so it's, Mm -hmm. it's nice to, to be able to just well, and I think it's important, actually, um, I was just writing about that for this week's newsletter is to to make a point to check in with yourself. And if you have them, your travel companions, you know, every mm-hmm. once in a while and just make sure, like, is this still working for us? You know, mm-hmm. like just because mm-hmm. we've really started to identify as nomads, for example, it doesn't mean we have to keep moving, you know, like mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. it's completely up to you, however you want to do it. And if one way isn't feeling as fulfilling anymore, then Maybe it's time to mix things up. Yeah, yeah. So sort of constantly having an eye on sort of the possibilities um, and whether, yeah, whether you are really sort of satisfying. Yeah. And I guess it's a moving thing, isn't it? But it, I suppose what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking as I'm listening to you is, you know, people who have, have not moved abroad perhaps ever um, and who don't really ever question their life and how they're living their life this is just such yeah. a complete opposite and an extreme isn't it um and and so I can see why some people talk about moving but then never move because it's just such a massive gap but then once you've yeah. made that jump then you begin to see the possibilities and the options and the opportunities and and, and so a whole new yeah. way of being opens up to you yeah and mm. um, yeah you know I was just gonna say I I remember, especially when I first quit my job and took my around the world trip, I remember so many people saying like, oh, I wish I could do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, well, you can, <laughs> you know, like, yes, some people have particular circumstances that it isn't possible, mm-hmm. but the people I was looking at, I was like, I know you could do this if you yeah. wanted to. And yeah. I've thought about it a lot over the years. And I, I started to think maybe what they mean, and maybe they don't realize this is what they mean is like, I wish I wanted to do that. Like, Mm. it sounds amazing, Mm. but they don't Mm. want it enough that they're actually willing to take the steps and put in the work to make it happen. Right. So, Yeah. yeah. So there's a, there's a gap between you know, the wanting and the, or the lovely idea of it Mm. and actually doing it. And so if you don't feel completely compelled to do it, then yeah, you're probably not going to. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. but as as you say that, that makes me think that, or perhaps there's an interim stage that people could all, you know, they could have a longer vacation or sabbatical and try something for a short period of time and just see, you know, because for some people, yeah, some people this is not right for, you know, some people love, you know, being in a set location and if they've got family near and friends they've known for a lifetime, you know, it is something they just, you know, people will say they just don't For want sure. to change that, which is absolutely fine. You know, there's yeah. nothing, you know, everyone has their own choices to make. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. that actually reminds me something else I was thinking about earlier when we were talking about the trial run and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The other piece of that, that I think is important for people to think about is if you're not sure it's for you, 
then if you're going to do a six month stint or whatever it looks like to also make sure that you haven't like sold everything and like, it would be really hard to go home. Right. Like if you're feeling like, I'm not sure how this is going to go for me, it might feel more not only reassuring, but also more practical to set things up in a way that you could go back fairly easily if you realize it's not working for you. Yeah. 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 To have a sort of fallback plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And perhaps that base. Yeah. 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 Especially, you know, I suppose I'm also thinking if the one, one side of the pandemic is it's given people an opportunity to see a different way of working, but the downside, I guess, of the pandemic is that people have got caught in locations and not been able to do, you know, either make a move for the first time or, get home or move on to the next choice of whatever they, they had as their plan. So um, it's had kind of a negative and a positive impact for different people within Absolutely. this mobile community, hasn't it? Yeah. Very much so. Um, in fact, I did a series on the podcast last year called Grounded Nomads, uh, uh, right <laughs> as things were kind of really hitting the fan and we were like, oh my God, there's people stranded everywhere. There's people like making snap decisions to get on a plane because they don't know if they're going to get stuck. Uh, it was a really interesting time um, right as things were ramping up to like last March, April. And then also yeah. obviously the longer it goes on. Um, in fact, again, there's um, a person in my community who had decided like, okay, it's now or never, like we're going to make this happen. I think he actually, that decision was made during the pandemic. Um, but I think he didn't expect that it would necessarily stop him from moving forward. You know, he mm -hmm. was putting the plans in place and like, okay, this is what's going to happen. This is all going to get better and it's going to go away. And um, January was supposed to be his of this year was supposed to be his launching off point. And as it got closer, he made the hard decision. Like, I think I'm going to have to push it back. I think mm -hmm. I need to wait a bit longer and see how things are going to shake out. Um but I also know other people who have um, moved abroad or started traveling during this time. Mm. Um, it really depends on, you know, people's circumstances and also just kind of their comfort level. Yeah. And their, yeah. and their risk tolerance. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm. And actually that was going to, that was one of my other questions, but might as well talk about it now because I was just thinking, I suppose that's one element of risk, but you know, are there other areas that you would say to somebody who's thinking about this, right? to make sure that you and I suppose one of them was you've got a base or you've got some kind of fallback plan um and then given the pandemic you know think carefully about what it means to you and and what you're prepared to take as a risk what other things should be people people be thinking about from a risk security safety perspective yeah I think I you know it's definitely worth thinking through what some of the possibilities are, you know, um, both good and bad things that could end up happening, um, unexpected things, unwanted things, you know, mm -hmm. everything from, you know, illness to running out of money to, you know, just deciding you hate it. <laughs> you know, there's lots of, or on the flip side, I actually just had this conversation with a client. I said, think about what if you don't want to come home in two months? Like, could you keep going, you know, like think about the flip side as well. Like, how have you set things up? Because I know people who sometimes are like, I don't want to go back, but I've got to take care of this, this, and this, or, you know, there are a couple of things that I didn't sort out properly. 
um, and they have to go back when they don't want to. <laughs> so yeah. it kind of goes both yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, health insurance and medical care and things like that is definitely, um, can be a good thing to have in place as a safety net, especially, Mm -hmm. I mean, it depends a bit where you're going in terms of what the local costs are for those kinds of things. Um, and again, that's something that people handle really differently depending on, Mm -hmm. on their own personal, you know, health situation, as well as how they feel about, you know, Mm -hmm. how important it is to, to be insured. And then, um, an emergency fund is always a good idea. Um, but I think especially if, um, if you're traveling, if you're working for yourself and your income can be unpredictable, you know, having, having that reassurance that, you know, that you can get by, even if, um, you know, your client work dries up or whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. Um, that's also really key. And on the flip side, the nice thing is that, for people who are moving more often, um, well, or even, I guess, if you're moving to another country, for a lot of people, they can choose a place that their money goes a lot further. And so, like, even your emergency fund will go further if you're, um, you know, if you're in Southeast Asia versus being in Europe, right, Mm -hmm. or in Western Europe. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that is also something that can factor in either in advance or as you find yourself in a situation like, eh, maybe I should be spending time in less expensive countries. This isn't going very well, you know, whatever, yeah. um, whatever yeah. the case might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I think that- the language, oh. I was just going to say language is another kind of safety net and kind of support system is being somewhere that, you know, the language or that there are enough local people who speak your language or, you know, basically just making sure that if you did have a health emergency or if you needed some kind of support, you know, are you going to be able to get by and get what you need? Um, so yeah, those are the kinds of things I think just kind of looking at the worst case scenarios and like, well, how would you handle that if that Mm. happened? Mm. Um, there have even been things I ended up in the hospital in Nicaragua, uh, gosh, how many years ago was that? I think like five years ago, Mm. um, hadn't bothered to find out like where the hospital was or how one would get there until it was like nine o'clock at night. And I was like, Oh my God, I think I need to go see somebody like right now. (laughs) And, and so it's funny, actually, I have not done this as much as we probably should. Um, but that experience did make me think, that might be the kind of thing to research in advance, you know, like when you get to a new location, um, especially now with kids, we've been thinking about it, like, Oh, like if we had an emergency in the middle of the night, where would we take them? Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are things also to just see, you know, what you need to have in place, um, to feel just more comfortable and confident that you can handle Mm -hmm. what comes up. Mm -hmm. Really good advice. Yes. Cause I I definitely can relate to (laughs) kids in emergencies in the middle of the night certainly and and the language thing as well um although I've found that it's amazing how resourceful you can be when you actually have to be that, so that's true. something that um yeah has struck me um one question that I've got from that or, or that has you've triggered in me from that going back to sort of taking your business with you mm-hmm. like 
do you think, do you have an opinion on this? Should you have started your business and know that it's going to work before you move or do you move to start a business? Do you have opinions on that or does it depend yeah. on the circumstance person and, and so on? Yeah, that's a million dollar question. Um, <laughs> I know people who've done both um, yeah. or, you know, different people who've done, um, gone those different directions. I think... I think that you should start your business first, but that's probably informed by, you know, my own personal risk tolerance Mm -hmm. and my own experience, um, knowing how hard it can be to focus on work when you're moving around a lot. Well, and that's the other thing, actually, if you're going to go and live in one place and you, you know, you have savings or maybe your partner is, you know, has income or whatever the case may be. If you have a bit of a safety net in that sense, and you're not going to be moving around constantly, I don't think it really matters if you started mm-hmm. at home mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. abroad, mm-hmm. but if you're planning to like live in a van and travel around Europe, it's going to be tough because you're going to yeah. have your attention pulled in so many different directions finding steady internet, you know, getting online when you need to. And it it does also depend a little bit what kind of work Mm -hmm. and what kind of business you're trying to start. Um, But if you already have a solid base with those things um, before you step into something like that, that's really, Mm -hmm. you know, travel heavy. um, Yeah. In fact, I had someone on the podcast years ago and she actually wrote a blog post for me uh, I guess post about, you know, like, should you start a business while you're living in your van? Like I did. And she was like, no, I would not recommend it. (laughs) So yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of factors. And I think, um, yeah, depending on what you're headed into and what kind of business you're creating, it's a little different, but yeah. 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 And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I guess, also, it comes down to connections and, you know, depending on the type of business, it will depend then on the type of connections you need. But, um, yeah. you know, but actually I was interviewing a guy, um, one of the previous podcasts I did with Derek Loudermilk. People should go oh, and yeah. see that one I as well. He was on Oh, mine, did yeah. you? Oh, okay. Uh-huh. So he was talking about, you know, he, he, his connections came from actually moving from place to place because he really put a lot of time and effort into building new connections in each location so you can look at it that way as well but then it depends on the type of person you are and you know are you that kind of outgoing person who will just rock up to somebody and say right help me here I need to know x y and z so um yeah yeah, you probably need to know yourself quite well as well I guess that's another sort of question mark for people who are thinking doing this you know how well do you know yourself in terms of comfort? Not that everything is going to be comfortable because it's not, but in terms of taking stretch and and, and knowing that you will cope with the challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so true. Yeah. So um, I'm thinking, I'm conscious of time. Um, I I just didn't want to, just wanted to ask you about challenges. So if you could identify three or four of the key challenges that you see people coming up against when they embark on this kind of lifestyle. I think that probably would be really helpful to people listening. Yeah. Let's see if I can kind of streamline them, which is not to say there's like a million, but there certainly are Mm -hmm. some. (laughs) I mean, you probably touched on some of them when we were talking about risks. Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah. So a few things that we haven't talked about, I think one is logistical pieces that 
are related to just kind of living life outside the box. Like mm-hmm. literally like the check boxes on a form do not fit your situation. Right. <laughs> so, you know, two of the things we talk about a lot in my community are banking and communications. So yeah. like maintaining, you know, a phone number, um, dealing with a bank that thinks you live one place when you don't really live there, you know, but you can't actually just tell them that you're a nomad or, you know, like there's, there's so much gray area because the world's not set up for this kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure, you know, a lot of, you know, kind of old school style expats find this as well. Right. It's like, the world's set up for people who live like down the street from where they grew up. And, and anytime you start, you know, messing (laughs) with the system, they kind of just don't know what to do with you. Um, Well, I think also the banking systems with all the kind of, you know, the, the trouble that has been within the banking systems, they're becoming much more, um, what's the word, you know, careful about. Right money and how money's transferred and why and who it's come from and all of those kind of things so proving legitimacy is often the challenge I think yeah absolutely yeah and you know another one just popped into my head like driver's licenses Mm -hmm. I was just on a call yesterday with someone who had lived in the UK moved back to the states and had is having like a ridiculous time trying to get a driver's license because she's been out of the country for so long that they're like well but you're, do you like, are you American? Like, what's your deal? Like they're just kind of confused that she doesn't have the paper trail Mm -hmm. to back her up. So yeah, that's one is just, you know, all that kind of bureaucracy of normal life that you're trying to do in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, Another one is, you know, community and relationships Mm -hmm. and connection. And as you mentioned with Derek, I think it definitely depends, you know, what kind of personality you have and you know how outgoing you are how easy it is for you to meet people in different places um but even if it is easy for you to meet people if you are moving around frequently then you're constantly Mm -hmm. having to start over Mm -hmm. in you know making friends and creating relationships where you are and then also maintaining relationships you know with people that you've left behind and um and Mm -hmm. honestly I think that's part of the reason that you know, it's not the same, but that's the reason the online community is really valuable. And I mean, I think a lot of us are finding that right now, you know, during the pandemic is like, Mm -hmm. well, at least, at least we have the internet, you know, so we can stay connected. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've noticed that it does create a nice kind of continuity that Mm -hmm. you, you know, you see, quote unquote, you know, the same people, um, at least in an online environment, even mm-hmm. if you're often starting mm-hmm. over uh, in person. So yeah. yeah, I think that's something too, like you said about knowing yourself mm-hmm. is to know what's important to you in terms of relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think actually for some nomads, this is part of the reason that they slow down um, or that they actually, the other thing I've seen is that, you know, a lot of nomads connect among themselves like they meet people on the road and then like wait where are you going to be next summer or you know and then they make a point (laughs) of circling back around and spending time together so there's you know there's definitely ways or having a home base that you return to so you see the Mm -hmm. same same Mm -hmm. people every time you Mm -hmm. go back you know there are ways to build some of that in 
if you understand the challenges and know what's important to you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's such an important point because I think it's probably something that people don't necessarily consider, but uh, you know, as we've all seen through the last year, connection, social connection is so important and it doesn't have to be, you know, lots of people, but ensuring that you've got those two or three people that you know you can rely on um, it is really important. And I think perhaps the idea, you know, the vision of moving and, and it's easy to think that it's going to be easy to make new connections in, in the new local environment. And I think pretty much most people will say, actually, that takes time. So don't rely on that as being your source of connection. Find connection, immediate connections elsewhere. But oh, obviously you want to build the local connections too, but just don't yeah. expect that to be something that happens overnight. Because in my experience, yeah. it generally doesn't. Um, yeah. Uh, Although I yeah. will also say that, well, it depends if you want to meet local locals, like people mm, who mm. are from where you are, or you are looking to meet, or you just happen to meet other foreigners. I've definitely had experiences that when you're around other people who also don't have family nearby, they also don't have friends nearby. There's, it's like this, like, you know, instant oh, yeah. kind of yes, yes, grabbing yes. on to each yeah. other, yeah. you know, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. you seem cool. Let's just hang out all the time. You know, I have a couple really, really good friends that I met, like my, probably my first few weeks in Buenos Aires when I moved there by mm -hmm. myself and we were just like fast friends because mm -hmm. we didn't know anybody else. And we mm -hmm. got on, you know, got along right away. And um, so, yeah, it, in some ways, I think the experience can accelerate that. Um, but on the, on the flip side, it can, I think, especially with locals, it can be, it can take more time to yeah to I suppose I, I was I was thinking as I said that I was thinking of you know a traveler going to more remote locations perhaps or wanting to try a different way of living that's kind of removed from the normal you know um nomad or expat routes but I totally relate to yeah the quick friendships yeah. expats make so you can rely on that as well which is important yep. yeah 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 great well I think we've kind of run out of time um but would you like to just finish by um, telling everyone how they can connect with you and learn more about what you do? Sure. Thanks. So nomadtopia.com is the hub of all of the things that I've been talking about, really. And from there, you can um, or you can go straight to wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this one um, and search for Nomadtopia Radio, which is my podcast. And um, between those two places, you can connect and, and uh, get the ball rolling. Brilliant. Well, that's really great. Thank you. You shared you know, so much there. And I know there is so much more to discover. <laughs> so <laughs> people can look you up and, and follow you from now on. But thank you very much for sharing your your experiences and your, your knowledge. Much yeah, appreciated. Thanks, Louise. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for listening. There was so much content there for you to absorb. And to help, as I said in the introduction, I've created some handy show notes. So go and register for the Thriving Abroad newsletter on the Thriving Abroad website. And I will send the show notes for this episode together with an additional resource sheet I have created that links to all the other Thriving Abroad podcasts that cover the subject of building and living a location-independent lifestyle. If you'd like to connect with me, then also go to thrivingabroad.com and you can complete the contact form there or you can email me at info at 
thrivingabroad.com. So that's info at thrivingabroad.com. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and stay safe wherever you are in the world. Bye-bye for now.